For one believes with the heart, and so is justified. And one confesses with the mouth, and so is saved. The Scripture says, No one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm always looking for opportunities to grow as a disciple to grow deeper in my spiritual life, to be more faithful in my following of Christ. I've tried a whole variety of different things through my life. Years ago, about this time of year, I was thinking about what I might do as the fall began, as I moved through the year. I was thinking about what was going on in the life of my church. I came to the season of Lent, was thinking about how we might help people grow more deeply in Lent. Lots of people ready to make a commitment during Lent to go a little bit deeper, to deal with sacrifice and suffering and self-denial. But those are not easy topics to confront, so it, a little help can help us all. I had read a book previously that year about spiritual growth that I really liked, and I thought perhaps we could use this book. It had daily devotional readings, scripture passages, prayers, exercises. I thought perhaps we could all do this together, but I wasn't really sure that everyone would like it, so I thought maybe I could do this with my staff first, and then we could lead the whole congregation. So I spoke to them about it and told them about the book and what I had in mind and said, what if we all started in January, right after the first of the year, we work through those six weeks and we'll be ready to lead the congregation. Everyone seemed agreeable. January came, I thought we're all going to be eager and energetic and ready to start. The day came to start and then we were to meet a week later. When we met, what happened was lots of people said, oh, I forgot to start they missed the first day others said oh I started the first day but then I got sidetracked and I haven't done all the homework I haven't done all the reading well I was a little disappointed but we had weekly meetings so I thought that's going to rally us all together but then what happened was a little embarrassing but at that weekly meeting I began to miss those I became the worst offender it got so bad in those first few weeks that the staff was kind of surprised when I showed up now, I had several excellent excuses. I had a funeral one week. I had an out-of-town pastor's meeting one week. I got caught in another meeting away from the church one week. But nonetheless, we were all struggling with making this commitment to Christ and to one another to make sure that we had a daily time of devotion, a daily time to spend with God, intentional time for prayer and Bible reading. I liked it when I got to verse 11 in our passage today because it's a word of good news for those of us who struggle. Paul writes, no one who believes in Christ will be put to shame. So often when we trip and stumble in our Christian walk, we go to that place of shame and that weighs us down and makes it even worse. Sometimes stops us completely from even believing we might grow or improve in terms of our discipleship. But Paul reminds us that our God is a God of love and 
mercy and forgiveness. It's not a place of shame. Our faith is not a road of shame. It's a place of encouragement and healing. No one who believes in Christ will be put to shame. But you know what? When we started with the congregation, even though I had warned them what happened with the staff, basically the same thing happened. I was not the only one on that church staff who struggled with that study, and I was not the only one in the congregation who struggled with that commitment of daily Bible reading and prayer. It had tripped up the staff. It had tripped up many in the congregation during those six weeks of Lent while we were doing the study. One person after another came to my office to talk about and basically to confess, I'm not doing as as much as I thought I would. I'm not being, I'm, I'm struggling to stay on track or I, I ran into that particular reading and it really confused me and I quit reading altogether. I put in your outline. Maintaining a daily diet of prayer and Bible study is a common struggle among Christians. It sounds kind of strange to say out loud to a group of people who are here who are committed followers of Christ, and yet I have found it to be true across the years in ministry that many of us, most of us I have found, struggle with maintaining a daily time of Bible reading and prayer. So many other things get in the way. And as I've been thinking about that and read this text, I began to wonder what is going on. Why are there so many stumbling blocks in our spiritual life? I've talked to people over the years that I've been in ministry as they've come to me to tell me about their struggles or their desires or their hopes and their dreams. Why is it such a struggle for you? There's all kinds of reasons. But underneath it all, it seems to be that people have trouble identifying the tangible value of a daily devotional's time. Sometimes it's hard to see the tangible value of spiritual pursuits. I mean, if you committed to reading the Bible 30 minutes a day, and even if you and I sat down together and read the Bible for 30 minutes after that first day, would you be able to see any detectable difference? Probably not. And it seems like humans easily, after they do that two or three days, they're about ready to give up. They want kind of instant results, kind of instant gratification, the spiritual life doesn't really work that way in my experience it's not just in the spiritual realm it's in so many realms where we might want to grow you can think of physical exercise if you've never exercised before and you decided you were going to work out and get in shape and so you went to the gym and lifted weights for 30 minutes what would we see at the end of the 30 minutes not very much change right two or three days not very many changes now over time Maybe some real differences, but in the beginning, it's hard to see the change. Or if you came to me and said you wanted to learn to swim, I swim a lot, I'd say, great, let's get in the pool. But if we just stood there in the water for 30 minutes, not much change, right? And even if we practiced some and I showed you some strokes, it would take some time for you to really develop any kind of proficiency where you really felt like you were making progress. Many of you have 
tried to learn a musical instrument and know the same kind of difficulties. We could bring one of you here and put you on the bench and put music in front of you and ask you to work on it for 30 minutes. What kind of experience would we have at the end of 30 minutes if you were going to play for us? It would be a disaster for most of us, right? And yet so often we treat our spiritual lives like that. We give it one or two days or maybe a few days or maybe a week or two and then say, you know what? It doesn't really work. I don't really see any difference in my life. And people give up and quit. Growth in any realm takes some time. Spiritual growth is no different. We have to stick with it. If we want to grow closer to God, we have to do some reading in the book. We have to do some study. And still it can be a struggle, but just like with other pursuits, if we have a teacher or a trainer or a coach or a mentor, things tend to go better. They can show us the way and help us through the hard times. What are you doing in terms of your spiritual life this year? Are you doing some things that might help you grow, or have you given up? You know, there really are all kinds of tangible benefits. If you have a daily or regular practice of Bible reading and prayer, over a year you would grow in your Bible knowledge. I think if you did it for a while, you'd come back and say, you know what, my prayer life is richer. I feel closer to God. You might even notice your attitude is better. Perhaps you have more strength or patience in dealing with difficult circumstances or difficult people. I think you would probably see a change in your relationship for the good. Maybe change your whole attitude toward life. If you'd allow yourself a few minutes every day to be with God, to read what we have claimed is the most reliable vehicle for the revelation and the relationship with God to occur, which is the Bible, to spend some time in prayer, listening and talking back and forth. Now, I'm not telling you this to shame you. I'm telling you I struggle too. Sometimes my devotional life is great, and I am there every morning, and it is rich, and I am consistent And in other seasons in my life, I am terrible. And sleep gets in the way and work gets in the way and any number of things distract me. And then I go back to my journal. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've fallen off the wagon here. We can all have seasons where we do really well and other seasons where we're just not doing very well in terms of our spiritual practices. The idea I want you to consider is, how do you start now? What step might you take to make an improvement right now? It seems like other things sometimes come, become more important and other matters become more pressing. But if that's happened to you, maybe now's a time to try again. There's a little girl named Sarah In elementary school, she came home after school one day really excited. She saw her dad, and she was just beaming. She couldn't wait to begin to tell him that they had had field day at school and all the different events that they had got to participate in. And she said, you know what, Dad? I won two races. Now, this was really surprising. 
He says, because my daughter was born without a couple of muscles in one leg, so she wears a brace just to be able to balance and walk. She won two races, and she said, before I could say anything, and Dad, they didn't give me a head start either. Oh, he was thinking, surely they did, but she said, no. She said, but I did have an advantage. And he said, oh, yeah, they gave her some kind of break probably. She said, my advantage, Dad, was I knew I had to try harder. She knew she had to give her best effort, right? If she was going to compete, she had to be ready. She had to step up. She had to give her best. How are you doing with your spiritual life? Are you offering your best to God? Are you practicing some Bible reading, some prayer? Are you opening yourself on a regular basis for God to speak to you? Are you ready to give your best effort? Have you seen the movie Palms? It stars Diane Keaton. It came out a few months ago. I wouldn't say it's the greatest movie that I've ever seen, but it's kind of interesting. It takes kind of a different take on things. Diane Keaton is the lead character. She's moving into a senior retirement community. One of the requirements at the community is that everyone stay active, so everyone has to join a club. When she joins, they tell her, we have this whole list of clubs. You can join any of them, but if you don't like any of them, you can start your own. She looks over the list and contemplates it for a while, and she thinks, I don't think I want to join any of those. But she has this dream that goes all the way back to high school to be a cheerleader. So she decides, you're guessing it, she's going to start a cheerleading squad there in the senior retirement community. Some people think it's ridiculous. Others think this is just plain embarrassing for these old ladies to think they could be cheerleaders. But she perseveres. They have tryouts. Lots of people come. They end up with eight women who are committed to work together and to practice to become a cheerleading squad together. As they begin to come together and practice with their palms and moving this way and that way in unison, they also begin to share their lives in a more open and honest and a deeper way. You find out that Diane Keaton had tried out to be a cheerleader in high school every year and never made it until her senior year. Finally, she was chosen. She got her uniform. She had her picture taken. She was so excited. And then her mother was diagnosed with cancer the summer before school started. She decided she had to give it up to go home right after school to help take care of her mother as she was dying. And it's marked her for the rest of her life. You get the sense that she's lived as a loner, keeping people at their distance so as to avoid that kind of deep heartache and pain ever again. But as these eight older ladies are practicing together, they all begin to open up. And you find out they all have this or that, a dream that was not fulfilled or a pain that still needs to be healed. Here's Diane Keaton's character now, decades later, still carrying the pain of what happened to her in high school. 
But through that group coming together to practice, they become ever more honest and vulnerable with each other, and they learn to trust each other in a new and deeper way. And you know what they find? It's through that experience they find more meaning and more hope in their life together as they grow closer together. Paul is trying to tell these early Christians at Rome, you can trust God. You can open yourselves to this Lord, the creator of the universe, and you will see results. God will respond. God will be there for you. Listen to how Paul writes it in verse 12 and 13. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God is generous to all who call. God is generous in all ways to all people. God is ready to help us. God is ready to do God's part. The question I'm raising for us today is, are we ready to do our part? Are we ready to give our best in our relationship with God? If we'll want to learn to swim we would think we're going to have to go to the pool pretty often if we're going to learn to play the piano we would think we will have to put in the time if we're ever really going to get good at this it's the same with our spiritual life we have to put in some time with god some intentional focused dedicated devoted time to building a relationship with God. We want to help you with that. We're moving that early service time by a few minutes to try to make it more appealing to more people that we might help them with their spiritual life. We're offering the Wednesday night opportunity knowing that people get worn down during the week or some work on weekends and so can't make it on Sunday morning, but they maybe could come Wednesday night. We're inviting the whole church family to come together to reconnect, to recharge, to worship God, to remember God's at the core of our life together. We're offering the Friday at noon experience as a different way to come and be in silence, but be with others in a guided meditation and prayer kind of experience. But we're also offering all kinds of groups, particularly on Wednesday nights when lots of us are here anyway, all different age levels for children, for youth and adults, opportunities to talk about faith, to be a part of a community of prayer and support, to talk about our own concerns, but also to hear from others and together make this journey of being a disciple. What are you doing? <clears throat> what kind of effort are you making? What steps maybe you should be taking this fall. We know we make lots of preparations to get kids ready to go back to school to make sure they have a great year. What kind of preparations are you making for yourself to have a great year with God? Think about that. Make some plans. Make some commitments to take some steps. 
few years ago, someone sent me a story about a guy who was reflecting on his spiritual journey and how he had grown with God over time. I want to read you part of what he wrote. He said, at first, I saw God as my observer, my judge, keeping track of the things I did wrong so as to know whether I merited heaven or hell when I die. He was out there sort of like a president. I recognized him in the picture, but I didn't really know him. But later on, when I met Christ, it seemed as though life were rather like a bike ride. But it was a tandem bike, and I noticed that Christ was in the back helping me pedal. I don't know just when it was that Christ suggested we change places, but life has not been the same since. When I had control, I knew the way. It was rather boring, but very predictable. It was the shortest distance between two points, but when Christ took the lead, he knew delightful long cuts up mountains and through rocky places, often at breakneck speeds. It was all I could do to hang on. Even though sometimes it looked like madness, I would hear him say, pedal. Now I was worried and I was anxious and asked, where are you taking me? He laughed and didn't answer i had to decide whether or not i could trust i forgot my boring life and entered into the adventure and when i'd say i'm scared he'd lean back and touch my hand i gained love peace acceptance and joy gifts to take on my journey my lord's and mine and we were off again but then one day he said softly Give the gifts away. Give the gifts away. Their extra baggage, too much weight, so I did to the people we met. And I found that in giving, I received, and my burden was light. I did not trust him at first to control my life. I thought he'd wreck it, but he knows secrets. Bike secrets, knows how to make the bike take sharp corners, know how to jump and clear high rocks, knows how to fly to shorten scary passages. And I am learning to shut up and pedal in the strangest places. And I'm beginning to enjoy the view and the cool breeze on my face with my delightful, constant companion, Jesus Christ. And when I'm sure... I just can't do it anymore. Jesus just smiles and says, pedal, pedal, pedal. Amen.